everyone, you are listening to Casual Wednesdays with Doom Rocket, your one-stop shop for comics talk and such. I'm Jared Jones. I am MJ Kramer. This week, hey MJ, do you like Batman? Yes, I do. Well, you better start really liking him, because the November 2021 comic book solicitations are here, and DC's in the Batman printing business even more so than usual. (laughs) Only overkill, MJ. (laughs) That's right, we're talking solicits again, so grab a pen and paper, because MJ and I are about to drop a whole bunch of recommendations concerning all the comics coming down the pike in the month of November. What other non-Batman comics are we looking forward to reading? Wait, there are non-Batman comics? We'll find out. (laughs) Stay tuned. Also this week, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer is finally here. And because we like new people listening to our podcast, we've added a trailer breakdown in the back matter of this episode. Praise be to the SEO gods, thou art listening to Casual Wednesdays. Hello, MJ. Hi, Jared. Happy new comic book day. Happy new comic book day to you. We're lying. We're not recording on a Wednesday. It happened again. Yeah. But this time, it wasn't our fault. Yeah. We were waiting for the DC releases for this week, and they never came. The delivery of the DC releases. That's right. At our shop. I had to shift my work schedule around quite a bit. Yes. Because we did not receive our entire lunar order. And we still haven't. No. It's afternoon on Thursday, and the remaining boxes in our order are scattered across three different FedEx trucks. See, when they (laughs) announced that they were switching over to lunar distribution, we didn't know that meant they were actually shipping from the moon. Yeah. Taking forever to get here. Yeah. That's a little funny uh, shipping humor there, MJ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It It just sucks. So our store does not have any DC comic books yet. God knows when we're going to have them all in and counted, but hopefully later on today. I know it's really awkward for me because I have two DC titles in our top five this week, and I haven't read them yet, (laughs) and I really hate not reading things before I recommend them. Yeah. Superman 78, I'm looking at you. You better deliver, baby. (laughs) So anyway, hello everyone. Welcome back. Casual Wednesdays. We're here. We made it. November 2021 solicitations, plus a little Spider-Man No Way Home trailer talk in the back matter. Yeah, we're we're in the end of the year here. That's right. Oh my God, one more month and then we're talking about 2022 solicitations. Yeah, it's so close. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So MJ, before we get into it, some quick house cleaning before we jump in. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. We're looking for new listener questions. As always, use the hashtag AskCashWeds on Twitter. Please and thank you. But if you're the emailing sort, and who among us is not, hit us up, info at doomrocket.com. If you've got comics-related questions, send them our way. If you've got just basic-ass questions about our lives that you just have to know about, like, I don't know, how often do we dust? <laughs> I'm thinking about dusting because I haven't dusted in a bit. Ah. Uh-huh. That's right. Maybe they'll have questions about the cicadas in the tree out front. Yes. They're back in full effect. So if you got questions about cicadas and other such nonsense, <laughs> hit us up. Infodoomarket.com. Ask Cash Weds on Twitter. God, it's so loud. They're so loud. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Generally, winters in Chicago suck, but I really can't wait for the winter this year. The cicada's been out of control. This yeah. is stupid. Yeah. Also, we are looking for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten any. In a long time. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that people just don't like us anymore. So help me avoid my inferiority complex. <laughs> Head over to Apple Podcasts. You don't even have to have a subscription, evidently, to leave a review. Yeah. Yeah. Five-star review, say something nice and or constructive. You can leave a four-star review, I guess. Yeah. If that's what you're feeling in your heart. But I don't feel like we're that bad. I'd say we deserve a five-star review. The base level is five stars. Yeah. As far as podcasts are concerned, isn't that how it works? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, listener questions, reviews on Apple Podcasts, those are the two ways you can absolutely help us out and help our podcast to thrive. And you have our thanks. Thanks. And for those of you who have already done such things, you're terrific. We think you're great. Yeah. All right, MJ. We got a lot to talk about this week. 
November 2021 solicitations mm-hmm. are huge. Yeah. There are a lot of Batman books to talk about, but there's other non-Batman comics to talk about, too. Yeah. You excited to crack these open? I am. All right. Students at home, you know the drill. Grab a pen and paper. We're about to drop a whole bunch of recommendations. Or just open your notebook app. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's get started with Image Comics, MJ. Yes, let's. Starting with a new title from one Chip Sadarsky. Yeah. Comics busiest boy is back with New Burn number one. I'm going to take the solicits text on this one if you don't mind, MJ. Feel free. So for those of you who don't know, solicits text. Go, quote, Easton Newburn is a private detective without loyalties, investigating conflicts between rival crime factions while collecting enemies along the way. In this debut issue, why is debut issue capitalized? To to emphasize. Hmm. So you know that you're hopping in in chapter one. So I should say it louder? Yes. In this debut issue. Exactly. A man is murdered after stealing from his own mafia family, but they aren't the ones who ordered the hit. Mm. End quote. Sounds tantalizing. Features a backup written by Nadia Shamas, mm-hmm. who we like very much. We do, we do. Illustrated by Zayed Yusuf Ayoub. And you have not mentioned that the artist for the main story with Chip is Jacob Phillips. Who's no slouch in the neo-noir genre himself, MJ, having just wrapped up his first arc on That Texas Blood, also an image comic, don't you know? Mm-hmm. This is a 32-page debut at 399. Drops November 3rd. Newburn. Yeah. All right, MJ, what's next from Image? Next, we've got Phenom X number one. Which is written by John Leguizamo? Co-written by John Leguizamo, I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. There's at least two other people getting writing credits for this book. But that's book. a pretty wild credit right there. Yeah. We also have co-writing Aram Rappaport and Joe Misiak, and art by Chris Batista. Is it just kismet that John Leguizamo is announcing a book right after Amelia Clark had hers released through Image Comics? Could be. Yeah. I don't know. So all these celebrities writing comics all of a sudden. There's no money in it. I mean, it might be that these actors have these pitches of parts that they want to play, and they think that having a comic that is automatically going to be pretty high profile with their name attached, it's a good pitch for it to go on to further media Oh, we're calling that the berserker effect. Yeah. Yeah. Trademarking that. <laughs> so tell us more about Phenom X, please, MJ. All right. Quote, wrongfully imprisoned and desperate to regain his freedom, Max Gomez agrees to become a subject in an underground government experiment. When the trial gives him phenomenal shape-shifting abilities, Gomez learns his new freedom requires surviving a superpowered war fought on the streets of NYC, end quote. Now, this one is oversized. Mm. It is $6.99 for 48 pages. Drops November 3rd, and Image is putting their full back into this release. They're giving it a B cover by none other than Todd McFarlane. That's pretty wild. All right, moving on. A new title from Image that we're both very excited about because we're both fans of Matthew Rosenberg Mm -hmm. and Tyler Boss. Yeah. We both very much liked Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, Mm -hmm. one of the best titles Black Mask ever put out. Well, the boys are back. Rosenberg and Boss reunite for What's the Furthest Place from Here? Question mark. Number one. This is a 60-page debut. And also, MJ, every issue of this book is coming with a vinyl-pressed release. Which is so fun. I know that it is going to be, like, allocated... So they're not necessarily going to make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Makes them uh, very precious collector's items, though. Right, which is going to make them speculator bait. So pre-order these if you possibly can. Yeah. Seriously. They're going to go quick. Yeah. But it's going to be $4.99 for these 60 pages, which is funny. That means it's two bucks less than that Phenom X book with like another 12 additional pages. Yeah, how do you like that? Mm. Anyway, uh, who wants to do the solicitous text, me or you? I guess I will. Go for it. Quote, a post-apocalyptic coming-of-age story from four kids walk into a bank. The world has ended. All that remains are gangs of children living among the ruins. That means the world's still around. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Sid believes that there must be something more out there. When she disappears into the wastelands, her gang will risk everything to bring her home. A story about the things that matter most, your survival, your loved ones, and your record collection, end quote. And speaking of record collections, you're about to add at least one new title to yours if you special order. What's the furthest place from here? Question mark. Number one, which drops November 10th. Oh, I wanted to mention who's going to be on that album, though. Go for it. Punk rock legend Blake Schwarzenbach from Jawbreaker and Jets to Brazil. Nice. And rising stars Joyce Manor. All right. Also, this features a cover by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. There's a new trend of writers drawing covers. <laughs> like Donny Cates did one for King's Fine that came out this week. Yes. Yeah. But that one was inked by McFarlane. God help us all when Tom King finally gets one through the editors. But back when Brian Michael Bendis was first sort of almost self-publishing his first couple books, he was illustrating them himself. That's true. Yeah. I forget about that. Yeah. He's a little doodler, Mm -hmm. like Grant Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Any trades, hardcovers, collections, etc. from Image Comics in November, MJ? There were a couple that popped out at me. Go for it. First of all, we've got Post-Americana in trade paperback. This is written and drawn by Steve Scrose. That's right. This is going to be 144 pages for $16.99 and comes out on November 24th. Don't forget about those Dave Stewart colors, MJ. Yes, that's true. Uh, it is going to be collecting all seven issues of the Post-Americana series. Which, if the title didn't already make it abundantly clear, this is a post-apocalyptic tale, but illustrated by Steve Scrose. Mm-hmm. How can you go wrong? Yeah, it's some good art there. Check it out. Also, we have the final volume of the comic book, Die. Not Die, Die, Die. Yeah. But Die. Yes. Volume four, titled Bleed, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Stephanie Hans. It's the final volume, as you can expect. It's going to get wild. It comes out on November 3rd, and it collects issues 16 through 20. Karen Gillen's like the king of pithy, very minimal solicits text here. I love them. Like, I'm going to read this really quick. Yeah. Quote, We've had dragons. The award-winning bleak deconstruction couldn't end without turning its unblinking eye upon a dungeon. There's no escape. There's only down. End quote. Yeah, they're so good. I love them. Like, you need context for him, but also you don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does it. Anyway, mm. let's move on to Dark Horse, MJ. Yes, let's. We have some added information for the first new debut from Jinx World in God knows how long. Well, since last year. Speaking of Mr. Bendis. Yeah, exactly. We have Joy Operations number 1, which teams Mr. Bendis with one Stephen Byrne. Mm-hmm. This is a science fiction superhero title that drops November 17th at three ninety nine. This is a 32-page debut. So this is text. Go. 55 years from now, Joy is an envoy... E-N-V-O-I. It's E-N dot V-O-I. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> a special agent of the Janando Trust. Trusts are corporate-owned cities that are the centerpiece of modern society. She writes wrongs for the trust. She is excellent. Perfection. Hard on herself. Driven. Complicated there. Yeah. 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 Almost legendary in some parts until one day a voice pops in her head trying to get her to betray everything she has ever believed. End quote. This sounds a little bit similar to Lazarus. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just reminiscent. Well, again, that drops November 17th. Jinx World begins anew. For more information, visit last week's episode where we talked about Jinx World's hop over to Dark Horse at length. Yeah. All right. Any trades, hardcovers, collections, etc. from Dark Horse MJ? We have Black Hammer Volume 5 Reborn Part 1 trade paperback. Yeah. So this is continuing the trade paperback numbering that they've had so far. Which is very smart. Yes. While also including the fact that it is volume one of the new sort of relaunch. Yes. Yeah. It makes more sense than Marvel numbering. Yes. I will say that. It does completely. All right. This drops January 26th at nineteen ninety nine. Only 104 pages for a 20 buck trade, though. But it collects issues one through five. Yeah, so I guess that's, that's true. a sizable amount. It's All written right. by Jeff Lemire, of course, with art by Caitlin Yarsky and colors by Dave Stewart. All right. 
What else do we got from Dark Horse in November, MJ? We also have a trade paperback called Crema. Now, this is collecting a comicsology original uh-huh. that was written by Johnny Christmas, who we yeah. love, yeah. with art by Dante Louise. And this comes out January 5th. It's going to be nineteen ninety nine for 136 pages. All right. And this is in print for the first time after being originally put out on Comixology. What's Crema about? Is it about coffee? Yes. Oh, I, I took a guess there. Yes. <laughs> Quote, Esme, a barista, feels invisible like a ghost. Also, when Esme drinks too much coffee, she actually sees ghosts. I see ghosts when I drink coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. Especially when you get a lot of that cold brew. Mm-hmm. Yara, the elegant heir to a coffee plantation, is always seen but only has eyes for Esme. Their world is turned upside down when the strange ghost of an old world nobleman begs Esme to take his letter from New York City to a haunted coffee farm in Brazil to reunite him with his lost love of a century ago, bringing sinister tidings of unrequited love, end quote. How do you like that? That yeah. sounds pretty damn good. Yeah, we know Johnny Christmas from writing Tartarus, right? But also like illustrating stuff for Margaret Atwood of all people. Yeah, and a ton of other stuff. Like Johnny mm-hmm. Christmas is very, very talented. Yeah. All right, let's move over to DC, MJ. So as we said at the top, you mean Batman comics? <laughs> of the episode there's a lot of batman comics coming out in november this is ridiculous though yeah it's like half of the whole line if not more yeah no yeah. it's more than half yeah it's more than 50 percent of their entire line for the month just batman or yeah. batman adjacent comics yeah there's also a weird thing that i noticed there's at least three titles in here not just the batman books where they're soliciting a comic that comes out on december 14th yeah or december 7th yeah they're advanced soliciting regular ass issues of comics it's very weird why are they doing it that way i don't know i find it strange with the batman solicitations i mean the november solicitations mm-hmm. we got news that the main batman title will be getting a new writer in december yes it's Josh Williamson, right. who has of late been writing a lot of really high-profile stuff for DC. Uh-huh. He's writing. He, that, he's arguably the biggest writer DC has now, aside from Mr. Bendis. That's true. He's been writing that Infinite Frontier mini. Or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think it's Infinite Frontier. It's the Ori of Worlds and the Multiversal Justice League. It's definitely kind of overseeing a lot of continuity issues and just like... Straightening them out. Yeah. And kind just, of what Legends of Tomorrow should have been for the CW. <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely establishing a whole lot of big ideas for the DCU going forward. He has done a lot of indie stuff. Yeah. Like he's got that series Nailbiter with Image. He's got Birthright. Yeah. They're pretty popular series. I guess. But Joshua Williamson, I mean, this was an opportunity to put somebody else that's just not a dude on yeah. the book. Like we had a chance. Mariko Tamaki could have hopped on Batman. I'm sure Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora are probably sitting pretty ensconced in their detective run. It's probably true. pretty good. But Batman outsells detective. It's it not does. even a contest. It does, which is so funny to me. Like, Isn't they're, it? They're both Batman books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I mentioned this last week when we talked about James Tynan leaving the Batman book. They do not need to put a huge name on the Batman self-titled comic. Batman will sell because it's Batman. Yes, Batman will sell no matter what. It does not need to have like a a big sales bump by putting, you know, Superstar X on it. It's the Batman comic. It's still going to be their number one bestseller. All right. (laughs) So let's talk about some of these Batman comics real quick. So we got Batman One Dark Knight, number one, as reported on Casual Wednesdays before. Yes. This is written and illustrated by Jock. This is a Prestige Plus release, a three-issue miniseries at 48 pages, $6.99 price point. We already talked about the plot details. It's got a villain called EMP. But I wanted to mention Prestige Plus, of course, means that it is going to be one of those big magazine-sized black label books. That's right. Which brings us to the Fear State event, powering through the Bat Family titles in November, MJ. 
We've got Batman 116 and 117, because Batman's shipping twice monthly nowadays. Yeah, and 117 is James Tynan's last issue. That's true. Batman Urban Legends number nine, I Am Batman number three, Harley Quinn number nine, Batman Secret Files, The Gardener, One Shot, Catwoman number 37, Nightwing 86, Detective Comics number 1045, and then it all wraps up with Batman Fear State Omega number one, which as reported on Casual Wednesdays, is also going to start the Batman Shadows of the Bat event that kicks off after this one immediately, Mm -hmm. and is technically the last, last issue James Tynan's going to be writing concerning Batman for DC. Yeah. So all these issues, MJ, did you crunch some numbers, some event numbers for this? I did. All right. What is Fear State going to cost readers who want to get all of it? Those 10 issues are going to total up for $48.90 in November, and that adds up with the October, September, August totals to being $146.69 for the entire event. Wait for trade is what we're saying. Or just read the main Batman books and pick and choose amongst the tie-ins what you want. Moving on. Hey, MJ, do you remember when DC did that round-robin voting thing on Twitter? I do. Where they had their very insane, very polarized readership, or Twitter readership yeah. anyway, yeah. vote on the next title DC would publish. It's like, hey, we have all these great pitches. You get to pick one. <laughs> Seems like such a cruel way yeah. to go about it, to have all of these creators kind of frantically pitching these ideas to their Twitter audience. The reason I bring it up, MJ, is because Robbins, which won the contest, which how could it not is finally getting published here, written by Tim Seeley, art and cover by Baldemar Rivas. This is a six-issue miniseries, which is going to drop November 16th, 32-page debut at $3.99. I'd read you the solicits, but do I really have to? The book kind of sells itself. It's pretty self-explanatory in that title. And if Robin's wasn't enough Robin content for you, we've got another Robin book coming out. This one called Robin and Batman, number one. How, how dynamic. Yes. You see what I did there? They switched it. They switched it around. They're the dynamic duo. Yeah. Yeah. So this one's written by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. That's something. That's very exciting. This is the team that did Descender, Ascender. This is a team that I love, and I'm very, very much looking forward to this book. Evidently, they're doing this as a way to take a break from their Descender arcs, because there's another one coming. How do you like that for Jeff Lemire? Hey, I mean, that's probably a really great page rate. Not bad. So here's how Robin and Batman sits. This is a three-issue miniseries, prestige format, 40 pages at $5.99. We didn't get the uh, dimensions. Is this also going to be magazine format, you think? If it said prestige plus, it would be. Okay, gotcha. But this is just prestige, so it's just a very fat, normal trim size comic. Just in case you weren't clear on how Dick Grayson came up as Robin, as if that story hasn't been told time (laughs) and time and time. I think that was basically all of pre-crisis DC Comics Mm -hmm. was Dick Grayson being Robin. Anyway, we got another origin story for Dick Grayson for you right here. Also, Robin and Batman number two is advanced solicited for December 14th at the same price point, just in case you want to order ahead. This is one of those aforementioned comics that was listed extra early, and it's just weird. Yeah. (laughs) But what else from DC, MJ? Well, we also have Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant. Yeah, so we're getting a couple of uh, gigantic 80-plus page specials coming out in November. This is one of them. The reason why we bring this up is because Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant Number 1 not only features the typical murderer's row of DC talent. Like G. Willow Wilson, Wes Craig, Dan Mora, Emma Rios, Max Fiumara, Christian Ward, Jill Thompson, Kari Randolph, Gabriel Walta. Like, it's nuts. This one also happens to feature, for some reason, for some reason, I don't understand why, Danny DeVito, who's writing a Penguin story. 
I know the reason. It gets good press. And he played the penguin, Jaron. Of course I know that. Of course (laughs) I know that, MJ. But, I mean, we got a Frank Quitely cover out of it, so I guess that's a plus. And I already mentioned the absolutely amazing list of artists attached to this. So 96 pages, 10 bucks, prestige format. The cardstock variants are 11 bucks. Yeah. Just in case you want to get that Frank Quitely variant. Drops November 30th. It's going to have stories featuring Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, Rachel Ghoul, Talia El Ghoul, the Mad Hat, or Killer Moth, the original Red Hood, etc. The Joker. Yes. Yes. That was the original Red mm-hmm. Hood. Yeah. Why didn't they get like Mark Hamill to write the Joker one? I don't know, Jared. They could have gotten Uma Thurman to write the Poison Ivy one. True. Yeah, they could have got Liam Neeson to write the Rachel Gould one. <laughs> Marion Cotillard to write the Talia they one. They could resuscitate Roddy McDowell's corpse and have him write the Mad Hatter story, MJ. <laughs> I'm just saying, why stop with Danny DeVito? It's limiting. Uh-huh. Anyway. So we haven't talked about this title yet on Casual Wednesdays, but it's something we're really excited for. One, it insinuates the return of Elseworlds, even though they haven't actually announced the return of Elseworlds, mm-hmm. but it is technically an Elseworlds tale because it takes place out of continuity, like Injustice, etc. Like Injustice, this title, The Dark Knights of Steel, is written by Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri. I am very excited to see Sequentials by Yasmin Putri. She does such beautiful covers. Sequentials will be a treat. It is. 12-issue maxi-series drops November 2nd. This is a 32-page debut at three ninety-nine. MJ, you want to take solicits for this? Yes. Quote, An entire medieval world will be forever changed when a spaceship crash lands from a doomed planet. Monarchs will die, kingdoms will rise, and what seemed the end of the world for many was only the beginning. An epic high fantasy story set in a DC universe where nothing is what it seems, end quote. See, now I am a huge fan of fantasy books, novels, etc. Super cool to see them doing a DC story set in a similar world, because there were a lot of Elseworlds previously written way back when that did the same thing where they yeah. put a high fantasy spin on a lot of different DC characters. It's true. And having Tom Taylor writing it and Yasmin Putri drawing it, I'm very, very excited for this comic. It's hot stuff. I also find it very funny that Tom Taylor is going to be writing a book called Dark Knights of Steel at the same time he is writing Dark Ages for Marvel. Yeah, that's just happenstance though because Dark Ages got delayed. Yeah, yeah. It's funny though. Time. It's funny. Yeah. To be noted, Dark Knights of Steel number two is advanced solicited for December 7th. If you're looking to order ahead, folks, so mark that down. We've also got The Nice House on the Lake number 6. Now, the reason I bring this up right now is because this issue will mark a hiatus for the entire title, written by James Tynion IV, illustrated by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, because James is focusing on creator-owned stuff elsewhere mm-hmm. at another place. What's that place called? I forget. At Substack. Oh, that's right. It's the reason that he's leaving Batman. We talked about it last yeah, week. we you sure have listen, talked about it. So it's a five-month hiatus. <laughs> it's nice to announce a solid number there. Yeah, no, it, it's good to give the notice. <laughs> it reminds me of when Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples said that Saga would be back in a year, and it's been like almost three years. They never actually gave a solid date. They said a nebulous, like, maybe a year's time off. But they never, they never That's said true. a nebulous date, so they're not actually going back on their word. Really hoping that we get some news about Saga. There's only another, like, month before it can possibly <laughs> be solicited this year bkv has hinted at such mj i know and so is fiona staples we can expect at least one saga related announcement come the new year absolutely but we're talking about dc books right now we are we are so nice house on the lake issue number six drops november 2nd and apparently ends in quite a cliffhanger, which we have to wait until March of next year yep. <laughs> for the resolution to. <laughs> Hopefully the interest maintains for this book. It is a really good book. It's a shame that it has to end so abruptly. Just pause. Just yeah. pause. 
Yeah. It's still, I mean, we talk about things that disrupt the momentum of a book. A five-month hiatus is one of those things. That's true. Yeah. So if you're a fan of this book, stay posted. Uh, hope to see you again in March. Mm-hmm. Anyway, MJ, there's so many goddamn annuals DC's putting out this month. This is because November is a five Tuesday month. Because <laughs> remember how, how Tuesdays are DC's release dates? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. See, I find that just extra funny this week since we haven't even gotten all our DC comics at my store. And yeah. it's Thursday and they were supposed to come out on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not bitter or angry. As I said, there are a ton of DC annuals, a couple of them of note, like Justice League Dark gets its own annual. Very cool. Ram V is teaming up with Dan Waters, his studio mate or former studio mate, to work on Justice League Dark 2021 annual number one. This is illustrated by Christopher Mitten. Pretty cool. Drops November 30th, just like all these other titles. God, that's going to be a hell of a week. We like Christopher Mitten's books. We sure do. Also, the other annual of note is Detective Comics 2021 annual number one. Drops November 30th as well. This kicks off the Shadows of the Bat event in proper fashion. Mm -hmm. Just to note, all eight of these annuals come out on the same day, like you said, on Ugh. November 30th. Ugh. They are all $5.99. All right, let's move this along. <laughs> Trades, hardcovers, collections, etc. from DC in November. MJ, what do you got? This is a great, great month for collections, probably partially because they're going to be coming out right before the holiday season. They want to get some good gift ideas out for everyone. Mm -hmm. But we've got the Rorschach hardcover and the Strange Adventures hardcover both coming out. Uh, one on sale December 7th, one on sale December 14th. I've been trade-waiting both of these, so I'm looking forward to checking them out. Yeah, the Rorschach hardcover with art by Jorge Fornes is 35 bucks for 304 pages. Mm -hmm. It's a hardcover, obviously. Uh, Strange Adventures is going to be $39.99 for 376 pages. That features art by both Mitch Gerrids and Evan Doc Shainer. Wow. Yeah. We have the annotated Sandman Volume 1 in November. So, you know, this one is not a new thing, but it is back in print. This has not been in print for a super long time, yet they have left... Volumes two through four in print. <laughs> so it is nice for them to bring this one back yeah. to actually have people be like, oh, now I can get the first one. And the logos will match. Yes. Yeah. And the size of the matches. These are the height of a, like a deluxe size hardcover, but they're wide. They're like They're square, square shaped. 11 by three quarter inches. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you have like the comic book art like on the inner edge of the page and then on the outer edge of the page you have all these great annotations. Yeah. But the art though is in black and white. Which strange, is kind of a bummer. Strange. But all the annotations make up for it. It's very cool. So anyway, that's going to be coming out in March. March of next year, March 22nd. $49.99 for 560 pages. All right. That collects the first 20 issues, just in case you're keeping track. Mm -hmm. We've got two deluxe editions I'm very excited very excited about. We've mm -hmm. got the Flintstones Deluxe Edition, which is written by Mark Russell and illustrated by Steve Pugh and Rick Leonardi. The Flintstones being probably the best... Hanna-Barbera DC publication that came out during that slate of books, although Mark Russell's Snagglepuss was also equally very great. There was also the main Future Quest one that Shaner and Parker did together. Oh, that's right. That one was beautiful yes. and fun. Yeah. Give me a deluxe edition of that. Yeah. This drops February 8th, 50 bucks at 368 pages. Now, here's the one that I'm really looking forward to, the deluxe edition of All-Star Superman. Ooh. Yes. Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely. 328 pages, $34.99. This drops January 25th. I want this. I know I'm subtle about things that I want as gifts mm -hmm. from you. Yeah. I want this. But we already have the All-Star Superman Absolute Edition. It's have you tried reading an Absolute Edition in bed? 
I have read my All-Star Superman a couple times yeah. in its absolute form. Mm. And it's not that much of a difference in size. It's like a little bit taller. Like it's not that much Get difference. Get out of here. Something that I find weird is the price difference between this deluxe edition and the Flintstones deluxe edition. Well, it's a difference of 40 pages, MJ. But the price on the All-Star Superman hardcover is 35 and then the Flintstones one is 50 I guess that is a marked difference, yeah. And it's only the difference of like one issue. I just find that strange. You'd think they'd want to price up the Superman book. That's all. We also have a collected edition of Nightwing, Volume 1, Leaping into the Light, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. 160 pages at twenty four ninety nine. This drops December 14th. And it is a hardcover. That's right. Which makes it a nice gift for someone who happens to be a fan of Nightwing or Dick Grayson or anything, because we love, we love, love, love this run on Nightwing so much. It's true. Although it's already diving into event territory. The next issue of Nightwing is a Fear State issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But that means that the whole arc that just came... Mm -hmm. It's going to be all in this book. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm happy it's going to be coming out in hardcover. I like hardcovers. One last DC thing before we go. Gen 13 starting over the deluxe edition. (laughs) I was asking last week, what do you figure is on Jim Lee's mind a lot of the time? It's Wildstorm. Wildstorm has never left his thoughts. It's his baby. That's true. But Gen 13 getting a deluxe edition, like the early Gen 13 stuff when even J. Scott Campbell was still figuring stuff out. I mean, it's nice that they brought it back in print, but who the hell is asking for this? I think this will have a good-sized audience, seriously. All right. This collects Gen 13 issues 0 f- <laughs> issues zero through 5, hello 90s, Gen 13 volume 2 issues 0 through 5, and pages from Wildstorm Universe Sourcebook number 1. 50 bucks. <laughs> not a lot of issues for 50 no. bucks once again. Yeah. But it is 360 pages, sizable, very nice hardcover. Sadly, it comes out in January, January 11th. Like, this would have been a really good option to have in December as a gift for yeah. people. Anyway, let's move on to Marvel. Sorry, my retailer brain always hops in. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> Marvel, here we are, resoliciting Black Panther number one. We've already <laughs> talked about this at length on Casual Wednesdays. Reiterating briefly, written by John Ridley, art by Juan Cabal, with those beautiful covers by Alex Ross. 40-page debut at four ninety nine, tentatively to be released on November 3rd. We're saying tentatively in a teasing way, that this is the date they're giving us, so Maybe we're going to assume. <laughs> we're going to assume it's actually November 3rd now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's happening again. We have Hulk number one, as previously reported on Casual Wednesdays, written by Donnie Cates, art by Ryan Otley. And if you read all your free comic book day books, you got a little taste of what they're going to be doing in the Avengers slash Hulk one. Yeah, the Hulk's going to be a smashed or not. <laughs> 40 page debut at five bucks drops November 3rd. We've got The Thing, number one of six. We talked about this last week, didn't we? I don't think we did. No? I think you and I talked about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, The Thing's getting a new miniseries, which is nice. Yeah. No, this looks really cool to me. Marvel needs to start repositioning the Fantastic Four as the preeminent super team in their coffers, because they got a movie coming out. Well, in a while. In a while, but (laughs) this is a perfect time to position, don't you say? And I can't think of a better character to feature in a six-issue miniseries than The Thing. That's right. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing. It's written by Walter Mosley, who's a novelist. Celebrated novelist. Yes. yes. It's funny, because we talked a couple episodes ago about which novelists we yeah, think would be good. True. This is going to be a good one. That's a good pairing, I suppose. Yeah. Tom Riley's doing the art. Yeah. It's going to look great. 40-page debut, four ninety nine in stores, November 3rd. All right, moving on. 
another Hawkeye book because there's a TV show coming out. But this is a Hawkeye Kate Bishop book. Mini series, MJ. Yes. Drops November 3rd, $3.99 at 32 pages. Do you want to read the solicitous text for Hawkeye Kate Bishop number one? Yes. Quote, Kate's heading home, or at least back to New York, and as much as she wants to go back to where her friends, her chosen family, are, she's changed since she was last on the East Coast. So she's picked up a pit stop case first. A confidence booster to prove to herself she's making the right decision and not going to backslide into her past just by changing time zones. Besides, the case is perfect. Swanky Resort, check. Jewel Heist, check. Almost definitely 100% a trap, check. End quote. This is the first issue of five. It's going to be written by novelist Marika Niekamp with art by Enid Balam. And it comes out November 3rd, 32 pages at three ninety-nine. How do you like that? I like it very much. Thank y'all. We have a milestone issue dropping in November. Avengers number 50. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by Aaron Cooter, Carlos Pacheco, Ed McGinnis, Javier Garon, and Steve McNiven featuring a backup written by Christopher Ruocchio. This is a 96-page issue... Drops November 17th. I really do want to read Heroes Reborn. I do. Title notwithstanding, it looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I read the first issue and I was like, eh. Well, a lot of people don't realize that there are a bunch of really great artists that kind of do little stories inside right. each issue. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'll check it out when it gets collected. Good for Jason. Yeah, yeah. good for everybody involved. And now let's move into Spider-Man territory. Spider-Man's kind of hot right now, MJ. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that later on, right? Sure are, sure yeah. are. So, as previously reported on Casual Wednesdays, Amazing Spider-Man is moving to a thrice-monthly set of circumstances. But wait, this doesn't look like three issues. This looks like four. You knew they were going to pull this shit, MJ. You knew. You called it. (laughs) So, you know how all these Amazing Spider-Man issues typically have an event running through them? Well, this new event is Spider-Man Beyond. So, of course, as Hunted had the .hu issues, Mm -hmm. so too does... Beyond have the dot B-E-Y issues. I wonder if Beyonce oh. gets a portion of the proceeds. Yeah, this is dot bay. This is a dot bay issue. Sure is. <laughs> so not only are you getting Amazing Spider-Man number 78, 79, and 80 in the month of November, you're also getting Amazing Spider-Man number 78 dot bay. Now, 78 is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Sarah Pacelli. The dot bay issue is written by Jed McKay with art by Eleonora Carlini. And then 79 and 80 are both written by Cody Ziegler. With art by Michael Dowling. God, I hear that last name. I just think Dolph Ziegler. I can't not. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I was like, is Cody Ziegler a wrestler? I asked that. I remember. When we originally reported on yeah, this yeah, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's a lot of ASM for November. Yeah, yeah. You know what Spider-Man Beyond is by now. It's Ben Riley being Spider-Man, but with financial backing. So he's kind of like Booster Gold now. I don't know. All I do know is I'm not hot on that new costume. There's a little joke in the Free Comic Book Day ASM issue oh, yeah? where the guy, his like, keeper or whatever, mm-hmm. he's like, no, 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 the new costume's great. We're going to throw out the old one. It's got the Scarlet Spider suit and a trash bag, and he's Aww. like holding his nose. I'm like, how dare you blight one of the most beloved Spider-Man costumes of all time? <laughs> when I'm playing Spider-Man PS4 and I'm playing it again right now. I know you are, I know. Whenever I got some free time between missions, because I put the typical game costume on for the missions because yeah. it looks so good, yeah. but I'm doing side quests. Scarlet Spidey all the way. Looks so good in the sunshine, MJ. Anyway. I do want to point out really quick that all of the regular numbered issues, not the dot one, all of those issues are three ninety nine, but the dot bay one is four ninety nine. Oh. So in the month of November you'll be spending sixteen dollars and ninety six cents on your Spider Man subscription. I hope they maintain that level of quality, MJ. That's a lot of money to spend on a comic book that's no good. Oh, and I just noticed that the 78.bay issue and the 79th issue both come out on the same day on November 10th. 
Be prepared. <laughs> take notes, students. So moving on, we've got Eternals number seven. MJ, you want to take the reins on this one? Yes, we have the new arc starting after two one-shots that went before this one and then the issues before. Right. So this is written by Kieran Gillen with Asad Rebich back on the art. And the solicits text go, quote, The Eternals have learned the truth of their existence. Their society is in shambles. Who can lead them? Who is the visionary that can lead them from the ashes? And how did they take the throne? Hail Thanos, the mad titan, eternal prime. Welcome to a new day. Welcome to hell, end quote. That's Kieran Gillen writing those damn solicits texts. I was just going to say the same thing. Those Kieran Gillen solicits. Gotta love them. They're poetry. But yeah, this is a new arc, new jumping on point, like, they have that capitalized with exclamation points. Right. Um, November 3rd, three ninety nine for 32 pages. We've got an anniversary issue coming out in November, this time for the Fantastic Four. Now, this is in the same vein as the other anniversary celebrations they've done, celebrating Giant Size X-Men number one and Captain America number one, where they have modern artists recreate the original first issue right. page by page. So a, new, a modern artist gets a page each, and recreates the whole issue. It's wild. Yeah, it's really cool. Plus, we have a recreation of Fantastic Four Annual Number 3, which of course has Reed and Sue's wedding. That's right, that's right. Some of the artists involved are Aiko, Aaron Cooter, Adam Hughes, Brian Hitch, Cafu, Carlos Pacheco, Chris Sprouse, Daniel Warren Johnson, Jesus. David Lapham, Elsa Charetier, Javier Rodriguez, John Romita Jr., Kate Nimchek, Kay Zama, Lucas Wernick, Luciano Vecchio, Matia Deulis, Mike Allred, Mike Del Mundo, Nick Klein, Olivia Coipel, Pepe Larraz, Ray Anthony Height, Rod Reyes, Steve Epting, Tom Riley, Jorge Fornes, Kim Yacinto, Walt Simonson, Sanford Green, Terry Dotson, and there are more that I didn't have time to read. I know there are so many artists attached to this damn book. 56 pages. This one shot drops November 3rd at six ninety nine. That's a good one to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're moving on to Daredevil number 36. MJ, why are we talking about Daredevil out of the blue? Because apparently it's the final issue. Now, okay, let's clear this up a little bit. Chip Zdarsky has said publicly on Twitter and on his newsletter on Substack mm-hmm. that he has no intention of leaving Marvel. He has no intention of leaving Daredevil. So what does this mean when the solicits say that this is the last issue of Daredevil as we know it? Well, I can only assume it means a relaunch, Jared. Yeah. It's Marvel. Come on. It's a relaunch. A relaunch (laughs) is coming. Why can't Daredevil get to 50 issues, MJ? Well, it's not Immortal Hulk or Avengers. Uh, Gotta have a gimmick. So anyway, if you want to check out what the hell's going on with Daredevil, issue 36 drops November 17th. Apparently it's going to have Wilson Fisk and Typhoid Mary uh, getting married? Sure, why not? (laughs) Sure, why not? We all liked Last Rites, didn't we? I, I, yes. Did you ever read Last Rites and go, why aren't these two boning? <laughs> but anyway, this is going to be an oversized 40-page issue for four ninety nine. Comes out November 17th. Yeah. 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 So here's a weird thing. Star Wars, Life Day, number one. It's a one-shot that drops November 17th. You know, it's great. I was doing final orders for the October books uh, just yesterday, and there is a Star Wars Life Day cookbook that was solicited last month. Good God. Isn't that great? Life Day, of course, is Star Wars' way of saying we celebrate Christmas, too, but we're heathen pagans. It's Wookiee Christmas. Yeah, I know what it is. Everyone knows what Life Day is. So it features the works of Caven Scott, Justina Ireland, Jody Hauser, and Steve Orlando, with art by Ivan Fiorelli, and a lot more with cover by Phil Noto. 40-page one-shot, like I said, drops November 17th at four ninety nine. The galaxy's favorite holiday, MJ. Yeah, yeah. Not this one. <laughs> uh, any trades, hardcovers, collections, etc. from Marvel in November, MJ? Oh, there's a pretty good handful. Yes. There's a Doctor Doom omnibus coming out. 
it's going to have a bunch of random Doctor Doom appearances, including his first few on the Fantastic Four book. Right. I just think it's really funny. They have done a Loki omnibus that just had a whole bunch of his appearances. This is going to include that super cool Ed Brubaker miniseries called The Books of Doom. And just like I said, a whole lot of Fantastic Four appearances and also the Emperor Doom graphic novel that came out way back when and the Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment graphic novel that was very, very cool. Yes. So if you wanted all of those in a $125 hardcover, it's your lucky day. (laughs) You have listed here Ten of Swords, MJ. I do have the Ten of Swords trade paperback listed, mainly just to mention that it is $75. What? For a paperback. What? I mean, it's got like a million issues in it. It's got that whole entire crossover in it that had between one and four issues from every single X book. This is more expensive than a compendium. Uh, it depends on the compendium. But well, the seven- Spawn compendium was 60 bucks. All the oh, yeah. Invincibles were 60 bucks. The Starman compendium was like, what, 60 bucks? I- I'm noticing a trend here. Yeah, and this has a smaller page count than those, but ah, it's still, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, and if you're going to spend that much money on a book, why not get a hardcover, you know? Well, if you're going to spend 75 bucks on Tennis Swords, drops January 12th, make note. Mm-hmm. Epic Collections, MJ. These are what caught my eye more. So what does winter hold for us in terms of Epic Collections, MJ? Well, we've got the Thor Epic Collection Ulick Unchained, which is volume 7 in the Thor Epic Collections. Now, this includes Thor issues 217 through 241, Marvel premiere number 26, and material from Marvel Treasury Edition number 3, and Giant Size Thor number 1. This is going to be coming out on December 22nd for $44.99 at 512 pages. We also have Avengers West Coast Epic Collection Darker Than Scarlet trade paperback. This is volume 5 in the Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, MJ. Mm-hmm. This includes Avengers West Coast, issues number 53 through 64, annual number 5, the main Avengers title, issues 311 through 313, and material from Avengers annual number 19, and what the number 6. <laughs> Drops January 5th at 39.99, 456 pages. Then we have a Silver Surfer Epic Collection Parable. Volume 4 in the Silver Surfer Epic Collections. The big thing about this one, it includes Silver Surfer Parable, the graphic novel that Stanley and Mobius did together. That's right. But the other issues included are Silver Surfer issues 15 through 23, annuals number 1 and 2, Fantastic Four 325, that aforementioned graphic novel, also Silver Surfer the 1988 mini 1 through 2, and material from Marvel Comics Presents number 1. This comes out January 12th for $44.99 at 504 pages. And one more epic collection we can talk about really quick before moving on to Boom. The Hawkeye Epic Collection, The Avenging Archer. This is volume one in the Mm -hmm. Hawkeye Epic Collections. Well, no shit. This collects the Hawkeye miniseries from 1983, issues one through four. Avengers issues 16, 63 through 65, 189, and 223. Quite a motley collection. This is a hodgepodge. Marvel Team Up issues 22, 92, and 95. Captain America issue... 317, plus material from Tales of Suspense, number 57, 60, and 64, Marvel Tales, number 100, Marvel Fanfare, number 3 and 39, and Marvel Super Action, number 1. What the (laughs) fuck? That's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're just picking really good appearances of Hawkeye. Well, I'm guessing this is like all one giant arc for Clint Barton, like Mm -hmm. how he was operating and living in the Marvel Universe at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 432 pages, $39.99 price point drops January 12th. MJ, let's move on to Boom. Yes, we're done with Marvel. We've got a new debut from Boom dropping in November regarding the matter of Oswald's body, number one of five. 
And if you're wondering who the hell Oswald is, it is, in fact, Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah. the star of Department of Truth. <laughs> We're living in the oswald MJ. It's like Boom heard this pitch and was like, ooh, this sounds like Department of Truth greenlit. <laughs> it's very nakedly chasing a trend here, MJ. Yeah. This is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Luca Casalonguida. We do like Christopher Cantwell, though, so I have hopes for this. Uh, you're more of a Cantwell booster than I am. Okay. I, I appreciate what Cantwell does. His Iron Man is good. His Blue Flame is yeah. good. I have hopes yeah. for this. Yeah, all right. It comes out November 10th for three ninety nine. It's part one of five. Quote, where is Lee Harvey Oswald's body? The Kennedy assassination is a rat's nest of conspiracy theories. Mafia involvement, the second gunman, government cover-up. But the most important chapter of this sordid tale may just be the theory that the body buried at Oswald's Rose Hill gravesite is not actually Lee Harvey himself. Meet the ragtag group of useful idiots who are unwittingly brought together to clean up the crime of the century. A wannabe cowboy from Wisconsin, a Buddy Holly idolizing former car thief, a world-weary civil rights activist ready for revolution, and a failed G-man who still acts the part, and specifically regarding the matter of Oswald's body, end quote. Uh, drops November 10th at three ninety nine from Boom. MJ, any trades, hardcovers, collections, etc. from Boom in November? Yes, we've got the Many Deaths of Layla Starr collected in trade paperback. This collects issues one through five of the series that, oh my god, I love so much. Written by Rom V with art and cover by Felipe Andrade. This comes out January 12th for fourteen ninety nine. All right, we're moving into the Solicits episode, Lightning Round. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's Price is Right. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> All right, where do you want to start with the Lightning Round, MJ? Well, alphabetically, we will start with Abrams Comic Arts, which does a lot of books about comics, sort of reference almost. Uh, but they've got a book called Doctor Strange, Book of the Vishanti coming out. I'm going to read a little bit of the solicits text. Quote, created thousands of years ago in the ancient city of Babylon to combat demons and those who wield dark magic, this tome has been passed down by the greatest sorcerers of the ages, each adding their own discoveries into its ever-expanding pages. The greatest source of magical knowledge in our dimension, the Book of the Vishanti, is the ultimate collection of spells, history, and personal accounts recorded by practitioners over centuries, including notes from Dr. Strange himself. End quote. This comes out December 1st. It's interesting that the writing credit goes Marvel Entertainment and no actual human being, MJ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marvel Entertainment itself wrote this. Yeah, sure. Along with, along with Doctor Strange. I'm sure. It's going to be 30 bucks. Like I said, comes out December 1st. We've got Fantastic Four number one, panel by panel. What's this about? This is very cool. Now, this is obviously Fantastic Four written by Stanley and Jack Kirby. This takes the first issue of that landmark series. And editors Mark Vanier and Chip Kidd go through panel by panel that issue and dissect and discuss the whole thing page by page. So there's like a panel per page. But it'll be cool because this is also has text by Tom Brevoort and, like I said, Mark mm-hmm. Vanier. It's going to look really cool. It'd be a nice companion piece to the anniversary edition that's coming out through Marvel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, this comes out November 17th. Another very good uh, holiday gift choice. It's going to be $40. Moving on to Ahoy. We got a new title, My Bad, number one, written by Mark James Russell and Bryce Ingman. With art by Peter Krauss. Why did Mark Russell decide to put his middle name in this one? I really, I honestly couldn't say. Mark James. Mark James. <laughs> so this is text goes, quote, A sharp superhero spoof from a stellar team that includes co-creators of Irredeemable and Second Coming. In Gravel City, the supervillain Emperor King has devised not only a sadistic death trap for his archenemy, the Accelerator, but also the means to penetrate the top secrets of his other archenemy, the Chandelier. 
Important new comic book universe begins here. We say sarcastically, end quote. Superhero books from Ahoy are always fun. I'm going to check this out without a doubt. Drops November 3rd at three ninety nine. I feel like every single month they have a new book by Mark Russell. Feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. That's only because Vertigo and DC dropped Second Coming. Yeah. Had Vertigo and DC held on to Second Coming, we'd probably be having a very different conversation about Mark Russell and Ahoy. Could be. Yeah. Or maybe not. You never know how the world unfolds, MJ. Well, I mean, there is no Vertigo anymore, so I don't know how many Vertigo books you'd be putting out. Yes, that's the point. That is the point. I'm not even kidding, MJ. These cicadas are out of control. Yeah, it's It's worse than last week. It is. It's so loud. Moving on. A trade from Ahoy in November. We have Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, Volume 2. He's got his middle name listed in the solicits here as well. Mark James Russell. How do you like that? Illustrated by Leonard Kirk and Richard Pace. 1999. This drops November 3rd. They're excited about Jesus, the cicadas, MJ. That must be it. That must, that must be, be it. it. Check out Second Coming. It's such a good book. Moving on to Fantagraphics, MJ, what do you got? We have a hardcover called Lure, written and with art by Lane Milburn. I'm going to read a little bit of the solicit text. Quote, the world's elite use the ocean planet of Lure as a luxury vacation hub for a decade. But when climate change threatens Earth's long-term habitability, many of those who can afford it move to Lure for good. When the opportunity to work there for a year is offered to visual artist Joe Sparta as part of a group of artists collaborating on a large-scale installation of public art, it seems like the chance of a lifetime. But then Joe stumbles across a nefarious plot by her corporate benefactors and feels compelled to go public. End quote. Uh, November 24th is the release date for this one. It's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. We move on to Humanoids, the history of science fiction trade paperback. Of course, this is an MJ edition yes. to the solicits. What do you got here? Well, this is going to be written by Javier Dolo with art by Jibril Morissette, who is a really awesome Canadian artist, has done a smattering of DC and Marvel stuff. But this is going to be almost kind of a reference book that is going to just talk about the history of science fiction from the 1800s up until today. And I'm going to read a little bit of the solicit text. Quote, for the first time in illustrated form, this comprehensive history of science fiction traces its origins and in fascinating detail charts its history from its beginnings as a schlock genre to its respected status today. Who was the first author to write a science fiction story? How did American science fiction begin? What science fiction novel is the world's best seller? What were the pulps? And how did they predict with uncanny accuracy the 21st century world around us? More than just a simple history lesson, the history of science fiction is a thoughtful and analytical reflection on the genre itself. End quote. This drops November 10th at twenty nine ninety nine. MJ. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Valiant. It's nice to see more Valiant in the casual Wednesdays episodes. Yes, we got called out for not talking about Valiant stuff, so we're trying, you know. We're trying. Of course, it's Ninjack again. We're talking about the Ninjack trade paperback, Volume 1, which drops December 8th. That's an advanced solicit. Take note, students. Collects the first four issues at fourteen ninety nine. This is, of course, written by Jeff Parker with amazing art by Javier Pulido. All right. Moving over to Vault Comics, we've got Fox and Hair number one, which features the work of Jonathan Sway and Stacy Lee. We haven't seen Stacy Lee interiors for a long time. I'm really glad to see her back. It's true. Fox and Hair number one solicits text goes, quote, When black market coder Aurora Yee uncovers top secret data that has tapped into the past lives of citizens of Mazu Bay, her world is turned upside down. The megacorporation Sinistry Designs wants its data back and is hot on her trail. Aurora has no choice but to turn to the fox and the hare and the most feared mercenaries in the city for protection, end quote. This is described as Asian reclamation of the cyberpunk genre. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's right. Three ninety nine drops November 3rd. MJ, we got one more title from Vault. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take it? This one is Lunar Room number one. This is written by Danny Lore with art by Georgia Spazito. I'm going to read the solicit text. Cynthia Sin Breaker used to be a lot of things. 
a werewolf, a mob enforcer for a powerful mage, a name feared on every street of Solar City. But now she's forcibly retired from all those things, trying to get over her past job and past loves. Zack Zero is a mage with their own agenda, and right now, item number one is to hire some protection. Normally, Sin wouldn't look twice, but Zero may have the key to getting back the most important thing she ever lost, herself. End quote. Now, Daniel Lohr always talks about how much they love the werewolf genre yeah, on Twitter. True. So it's cool to see them being able to do more werewolf stuff in this book. This drops November 24th at three ninety nine. Looking forward to that. We are moving on to what? Wayne Allen Herald Productions. What the fuck is this? I have no <laughs> idea who the publisher is, but the item is too cool not to mention. This is a P. Craig Russell adult coloring book. So this takes a whole bunch of amazing black and white inks of a bunch of his drawings and puts them in a coloring book for you to color at your leisure or to just look at the fucking inks of P. Craig Russell's art. I love P. Craig Russell. I know. You could have just put this in your Amazon wish list, MJ. <laughs> you didn't have to add it to the solicits episode. But I have to make it publicly known that you can get a P. Craig Russell coloring book. All right. Now, it doesn't specify which drawings are in here. It says there are 40 beautiful images. I can only assume a lot of these are from his opera retellings yeah. and his, like, Oscar Wilde fairy tale retellings, which are all gorgeous. They're mind-numbingly good. Just briefly want to say, the same publisher is putting out a $125 book of just drawings of P. Craig Russell, but I didn't think we actually had to mention that because it was $125. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've got one more title left in our Solicits episode lightning round, MJ. What the... F- all right, why don't you take it from here? From Seven Seas Entertainment, we have a new manga debuting called I Am a Cat Barista. Good God. Volume 1. <laughs> This is written and drawn by Hiro Majima, and I'm going to read the solicit text because it sounds delightful. Quote, take a coffee break in this supernatural spin on a cat cafe. For some people, the daily grind of city life is exhausting. Get it, grind? Yet somewhere, so between, you. <laughs> yet somewhere between busy streets, there's a mysterious cat cafe that can only be found by weary souls. What's on the menu? A delicious cup of coffee, specially brewed for each customer, by a cat barista. End quote. I'm a talking cat. <laughs> Who makes coffee. <laughs> now this comes out December 1st. It's going to be thirteen ninety nine, and it is indicated by its Volume 1 title, uh, the first of a series. Thank you, MJ. You're welcome. Well, that's another Solicit episode in the bag. On that note, we gave you a couple of suggestions of the comics coming down the pike, in this case, for November 2021. And now we want to know what you're excited to read, so tag us at Casualheads Podcast on Twitter, and let us know what you're pumped to check out, and be sure to hit up your local comic book shop and pre-order your books. Head over to Comic Shop Locator at ComicShopLocator.com if you need help locating the closest LCS to you. All right, MJ. Top five? Top five. All right. So this week, I've got the three. You've got the two. The problem with my picks is that I don't have the books in front of me right now. So I don't necessarily have the full creator credit, so I apologize in advance for that. But I do have Batman Reptilian, number three, kicking off this week's top five. This is a very lurid, very black label Batman book written by Garth Ennis. Mm -hmm. Full steam ahead, Garth Ennis. Not fucking around, Garth Ennis, but like I'm telling a Batman story here, Garth Ennis. Illustrated in the most heady, surreal way by Liam Sharp. It's a gorgeous book that deals with a murderer. A vicious murderer who's plucking out Batman's rogues one by one. It's probably Killer Croc. Mm -hmm. Or is it, MJ? We don't know. 
but we'll find out the further we go into Batman Reptilian. Issue 3 is out this week. I highly recommend this book. Probably one of the best Batman stories told in the last few years. Easy? Yeah. Yeah, check it out. MJ, what's the first pick for you for this week's top five? My first pick, as I usually do, I'm doing a graphic novel. This is a Fantagraphics hardcover. It's 20 bucks. It is Alberto Breccia's Dracula. Now, I think I recommended the Alberto Breccia illustrated Eternaut a couple months ago. This is in the same series that Fantagraphics has been doing of Alberto Breccia's stuff. Uh And this one doesn't need translation because it's actually silent. Oh. Um, And it's not actually a retelling of the Dracula story. It's satirical, but like I said, it's silent. I'm going to read a little bit of the synopsis on back. Quote, in these brutally funny satirical misadventures, Dracula's glory days are long behind him. A corrupt government, overtly backed by American imperialism, is the sinister villain, sickening and draining the life out of the villagers far more than one creature of the night ever could. The short comic stories in this collection were created during the last in a succession of Argentine military dictatorships in 1982 through 1983. End quote. It actually has a non-trademark appearance by Superman in the book, which might interest Get you. Get out of town. Yeah, and it's All got right. a whole bunch of sketches in the back and a really cool afterward. Uh, but like I said, this is 20 bucks. It's a hardcover. Comes out this week from Fantagraphics. What's your next pick, Jones? We've got a trade collection from Ahoy. Happy Hour, which I'm pretty sure I ordered. Yeah? Yeah, and I didn't get. I don't know if this comes out this week. I've got a weird notification on Diamond about this. Like, it says this week as a release date, but it also says, like, hasn't shipped. Okay. It's weird. It's weird. So maybe it's out this week. Maybe it's not. I'm still recommending it. Happy Hour trade paperback. This is written by Peter Milligan with art by Michael Montanat, colored by Felipe Sobrero, probably lettered by Rob Steen. Mm. He letters all the Ahoy titles. Really quick solicits text goes, quote, In future America, being happy isn't just a right, it's the law. While the Joy Police brutally enforce the Cherry Code, two young people go on the run searching for a haven of melancholy where they can safely bask in the blues, end quote. I love Peter Milligan. I follow him wherever he goes. Happy Hour is a riot. Check it out. Sixteen ninety nine out this week. MJ, what is next for you? I have one to briefly mention that isn't in the technical top five, but is Ninjak number two. It's a little bit late coming out. Very much worth the wait. Written by Jeff Parker with art and colors and letters by Javier Pulido. It's beautiful to look at. I can't recommend it enough. All right. But speaking of beautiful to look at, my actual second pick for the week is Echo Lands number one. Now, this is co-written by J.H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman with art and design by J.H. Williams and colors by Dave Stewart. Now, when we first talked about this book in Solicits, it mentioned that it is horizontally done. And I was wondering if it's going to be side-stapled on the short end of the book, and it is. So when you look at it, it is horizontally designed. It really is. It's wild. It's going to collect really awesomely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a bitch to fit in the rest of the books on your shelf, though. It is. It's going to stick out. It's so beautiful. J.H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman have been working on this for years. And you can see in the art, it's it's so good. It does look great. It's so good. So Echo Lands, number one from Image Comics, is my last pick of the week. It is $4.99 from your local comic book shop. What's your last pick, Jared? Closing out this week's top five is Superman 78, number one. Again, I don't have the book in front of me, so I don't necessarily... (laughs) know who lettered this thing but it is written by Robert Venditti it is illustrated by Wilfredo Torres Mm -hmm. it is colored by Jordi Belair come on people you know what Superman 78 means it's the movie that universe I'm presuming after Superman 2 and we forget about Superman 3 and 4 and possibly returns maybe introduces Brainiac to the world who was technically going to be a villain in Superman 4 really or was it 3 I don't remember it's not important (laughs) 
Anyway, Superman 78 is one of my most hotly anticipated series to come out this year, and now it's here. I just don't have it. Anyway, on that note, Superman 78 closes out our top five most anticipated issues of the week. Alright, MJ, we are firmly ensconced in the back matter. So we are. Now, typically, we answer a question from one of you, our listeners. Please use the hashtag AskCashWeds on Twitter yeah. or info at DoomRocket.com. Send your questions our way. We thank you. But this week, we had to make extra time for the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Yeah. Now, I said last week and possibly the week before, I hope this trailer never sees the light of day because Spider-Man fan Twitter is just bedlam. But now that the trailer's here, it looks kind of fun. Yeah. Even though I'm not especially a big fan of the Tom Holland Spider-Man character or Spider-Man in the MCU in general, this looks like at least it's going to be dredging up a bunch of nostalgia stuff for my benefit, at least. Yep. Specifically for you, Jared Jones. Specifically for me. And possibly you. See, I don't dislike Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I just don't necessarily love the direction they've gone in the Spider-Man movies. There's a direction? (laughs) Well, just involving Iron Man so much and just, ah, you know. All right, MJ, first impressions of No Way Home. What do you think with this trailer? Uh, First of all, I was very delighted to see the appearance of one Doctor Strange. He is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel U.S. I've mentioned many times before. Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome as Doctor Strange, without a doubt. Well, I mentioned on Twitter that this is my favorite Benedict Cumberbatch role, and it's because I lose the fact that it is Benedict Cumberbatch in in the role. Yeah, any other time you're like, nope, that's Benedict Cumberbatch acting. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because of the American accent or just because I love the character so much, but it's Doctor Strange I'm looking at. It's not Benedict Cumberbatch in the the red coat. He makes the white stripes in his hair and his stupid goatee work. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he makes it work. But he makes it work because you're like, oh, holy shit, this is Doctor Strange. Yeah. I keep going back to Infinity War when he fights Thanos for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, really, it's like 30 seconds, but I wanted it to go on for five minutes. It was glorious. His best appearance so far has been yeah. in Infinity War. Yeah, without a doubt. So hopefully we get more Doctor Strange in this movie. It looks like we are. But is it Doctor Strange, MJ? I have seen speculation that says not. Well, he is acting semi out of character. Here's a guy th- whose job it is to protect reality the sanctity of time space that's mm-hmm. his job mm-hmm. why would he warp time and space for peter parker well he got snapped out of existence and then came back that sometimes can change a person and he also is not the guardian of the time stone anymore that's true so maybe he's he's a little bit of a looser fancy free doctor strange winking at everybody well wait a second isn't he though because Captain America returned all the time stones back to their proper place, and the proper place for the time stone is with the Eye of Agamotto in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He brought them back to their proper places in the past, oh. before Thanos stole them all, and then they got, you know, uh, okay. destroyed. Time doesn't make any sense in the Marvel Universe, that's yeah. fine. That's perfectly yeah. fine. But people are saying, because he's acting so out of character, but really, are these really characters? <laughs> this is the Marvel Universe shut we're talking up, about. Shut up, Jack, shut up. Anyway... People are bringing back this old chestnut. Mephisto confirmed, MJ. Do you think because the plot of No Way Home deliberately recalls one more day, which is a choice? It is what we call one of the definitive Mephisto stories. I suppose? It definitely is. Oh, come on. It's still dog shit, though. It could be both those things. I didn't say it was good, yeah. but but as far as modern comics goes, it's, it's one of his most important appearances. Well, with all that, MJ... With One More Day being a heavy influence on this movie, do you think that Doctor Strange is secretly Mephisto in hiding? It is a possibility. So he, like, cons Spider-Man into 
screwing up, I'm wrapping that in quotes, screwing up a spell that would make the entire world forget that Peter Parker is, in fact, Spider-Man because Mysterio let the cat out of that bag Mm -hmm. in the post-credits sequence of Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Was it the post-credits sequence or did it happen right before the credits? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's barely a movie. So Mephisto cons Peter Parker into warping reality. Why would he go to that trouble... Why doesn't he just warp reality? And also, another sidebar, Peter Parker screws up the spell because he's like, wait a second, not everybody. I want Ned to remember and Aunt May. And MJ. And MJ, of course. Because we saw what happened when that doesn't doesn't happen. If the kid would just shut up and let the spell happen, he could just tell those three people after the spell gets done. He's Peter Parker. He's, he's going to mess it up. That's what I mean. This kid ain't learned shit in three movies. He's still a big old dum-dum. Tom Holland plays the part well. He's very endearing. I like him as Peter. He's an endearing doofus. Yes. Yeah. But I think he's fine as Peter. I think you're too hard. You're too hot on Peter Parker. I don't think I am. So the multiverse is happening whether we want it to or not. Spider-Man Twitter is so rabid about this uh-huh. stuff that we've pretty much all but confirmed all the things that we were speculating about a year ago. Will Spider-Man 3 start incorporating multiversal stuff like bringing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, both of which are conspicuously absent from this trailer? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know that Alfred Molina is going to be back, at least, as Dr. Octopus. We knew that before, because he said. Look, this is a guy who does Broadway, Off-Broadway, Royal Shakespeare, that kind of stuff. He's an actor. He doesn't give a shit about MC. Exactly right. Exactly. He's like, yeah, I'm doing the movie. When somebody asks me if I'm in a movie, I'm going to tell them I'm in the movie. That's just how he is. I'm glad he's back. They de-aged the shit out of them. Yeah, I'm hoping that the reason that the de-aging looked not great is because the effects just aren't done. I doubt it. Every time we say that, it's like, maybe the effects aren't done, they're done. But Marvel is really good at de-aging. They really are, and you know it. He doesn't look good in this. That's why I'm saying the effects aren't finished, and he's going to look better when we get to the actual film on screen. That's right. But Dr. Octopus isn't the only villain that's reportedly coming back. We know that Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro because they actually announced that. But we didn't see him. No, we did not. We did see some electricity in there, though. It wasn't blue electricity like it was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. It was yellow. We also saw a pumpkin bomb. We did. And we heard a laugh. That was Willem Dafoe. A cackle. Yes. So we know that the Green Goblin, Electro, and Dr. Octopus are coming back for sure. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are speculating that Reese Ethan's The Lizard from The Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man, the lousiest villain yet, is coming back too. People even point out like a still that there's like this giant dark hulking beast that attacks Peter at one point. That looks more like Venom than The Lizard to me. Yeah, it does. Like, Venom and Spider-Man are supposed to tie into each other eventually. Like, that's going to happen. Like, Disney and Sony are working some shit out right now. The contract renewal's up. Maybe Disney will just buy Sony. Didn't they just bump back the Venom sequel to next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been officially confirmed, but that's what it's looking like. Yeah. Maybe because of this, maybe because negotiations between Disney and Sony are fraught on a good day, and when the actual contract comes up, Disney's like, we'll just take all of it now. There's a reason why we haven't seen the Morbius movie. It's not because it's not done. It's because... Maybe it's because it's not good. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> but it also features Michael Keaton as the Vulture, who's also supposed to be coming in to No Way Home. And also, there's like a mountain of sand at one point in the trailer, and people are like, oh, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman confirmed, but it's not. So you think this is a lot of people grasping at straws to possibly get up to the number six for villains? That's all these spider Twitter people do is grasp at straws. <laughs> we know what this is aiming for, a Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of movie in one movie, MJ. Yeah. yeah. I got a question for you here, MJ. What? So Spider-Man, th- one of the reasons why Peter Parker goes to Doctor Strange in the first place 
and being like, hello, Doctor Strange, I would like to have my secret identity back, please. He does not talk in that accent, Jared. Hello, I saw the <laughs> Avengers with me and my mates. <laughs> Tom Holland. Uh, there's a shot of some guy slamming a file on the table, and people think that's Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock. Really? If they brought back Daredevil, I mean, they're not going to have Daredevil in this movie. If Charlie Cox shows up, it's going to be like one throwaway scene where he's like, I'm Spider-Man's representation here. Yeah, it's going to be Matt Murdock and not yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. I, it sounds like a fun little cameo. Either go whole hog and make a movie out of it or make a new TV series on Disney+. Plus. Well, one can only assume if they have a cameo, that's probably their plan. Yeah. So anyway, Spider-Man's holding a box during that one moment where Doctor Strange knocks Peter Parker out of Spider-Man's body. This is a lot of weird little details. I know. A lot of weird stuff going on. But he is holding on to a box that looks a lot like a mother box. It's not because that's DC. Yeah, that would... That would... <laughs> That would be not a cameo, no. no. But it looks like <laughs> Doctor Strange does not appreciate that Spider-Man's holding onto this box because, again, he's knocking Peter out of Spider-Man's body. That's the astral form, Jared. That's right. Oh, it's I their see. astral form. That's right. I knew that. So anyway, what do you think that box is? I don't know. I don't want to speculate stuff. I just want to watch the movie. Yeah, all right. I just want to have a giggle when I see Alfred Molina back, and that's it. Yep. You're going to get a hell of a lot more than that in this movie. Oh, I just mean he's watching the trailer. I see. I yeah. see. Well, we got a first glimpse at the black and gold suit that Spider-Man's going to be wearing. We know that this is the suit that he wears because he'll have magic powers at some point. Okay. Because the Hot Toys action figure of this came out, and we got a really good look at it. That's man. what he's wearing right there. I didn't notice a lot of this stuff, man. <laughs> Nobody does except for these psychopaths. I'm going off a list of something I found on the internet to make it easier. We get a shot of Wong packing up and moving out of the Sanctum Santorum. Well, we also see Doctor Strange. He's wearing, like, a parka-ized version yeah, the Sanctum's all covered in snow. What's yeah. that about? It's, it, I'm sure we'll find out in the yeah. movie, but it, it's funny. Yeah. But Wong's traveling off to Shang-Chi, presumably. Yeah. This little listicle I have here states that the Sanctum is likely filled with snow due to the Hulks crashing through it in Infinity War, which seems like a reach. Yeah, I think Doctor Strange would have fixed it by then. He just snaps his fingers and the stairs are better. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Or they have contractors fix it because it's been like a while since then. Watch it'll be exactly because the Hulk crashed through it and we're a couple of idiots. Watch <sighs> it be that. I hope not. Let me ask you a question, MJ. Do Spider-Man movies need to be this big? No, because Spider-Man movies can just be street-level Spider-Man movies. They don't need to be big, crazy, universe-changing things. They can just be a Spider-Man movie. You remember Spider-Man movies? I do. Now, look, I don't want to sound like one of those guys. Where Raimi did it better, but Raimi did it better. Uh, I would say Into the Spider-Verse did it even better than that, and that was just the Spider-Man movie. Right. The difference between Into the Spider-Verse and what No Way Home is looking like is that it still tells at its core a Spider-Man story. Now, arguably, that's what No Way Home is going to be doing as well. You're not going to bring in Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, allegedly, and not have Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man not learn what it means to be Spider-Man by the end of all of it. But, like, Into the Spider-Verse was able to be a multiverse spanning spider-man story and still be a very very personal character driven study yeah. and i don't think any of these mcu spider-man movies have done that all the elements of spider-man are there but it's all just kind of window dressing you know what i mean yeah like we don't even mention ben parker by name like uncle ben is never once explicitly mentioned now i understand you don't want to revisit ben parker's death again he's not like the waynes you don't have to constantly show his corpse to motivate the superhero do you think we're going to get less people just commenting on how hot Aunt May is in this movie? You know what? I don't think so. Because this is a trilogy capper and you have to bring everything back around, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about this, though, 
And I'm pretty sure this is why Alfred Molina even bothered to come back. And if Willem Dafoe did too, then this is why. It's because Sam Raimi is going to be directing the new Doctor Strange movie. I think it also had to do probably with a dump truck full of cash back up to their doors. Probably. (laughs) But an interesting thing to consider is if we establish, because of this multiverse thing happening, and if Sony plays ball, we potentially have on our hands here Spider-Man 4. True. Like Sam Raimi could come back and do his Spider-Man 4 movie that he never got to do with Tobey Maguire, with Kirsten Dunst. It could take place many years later, and we can get that Bruce Campbell Mysterio thing that we've always wanted to see. Uh, but it's just to- a cameo. But Tobey Maguire has like retired. Unless Tobey Maguire is playing Peter B. Parker yeah. in another Spider-Verse movie, then I'd be okay with it. Honestly, the main thing that I want to see if we're bringing in all these other Spider-Man references just to have these fucking Easter eggs in there... Drop in animated Miles, Roger Rabbit style. Wow. And then I am pleased. <laughs> then I am happy. Wow. That's all I want to see. That's intense. Why didn't I think of that? That's great. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, we know that Miles exists in the MCU because Donald Glover was talking to him on the phone. It's true. His nephew. That's uh-huh. right. That's right. But I want to bring the conversation back around to what you said earlier about Spider-Man not necessarily having to be this universe-quaking proposition. Don't you miss Spider-Man stories where Spider-Man is kind of like Spider-Man? Yeah, like a street-level story, you mean? Yes. Yeah, and I know that people will balk at the Tony Stark Jr. accusations that have been levied against the uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker character, but Mm -hmm. that's ostensibly what he is. Yeah. He was Spider-Man until Tony Stark intervened, and then he became an Avenger. Mm Mm-hmm. Pedence will be like, he didn't technically become an Avenger until Infinity War. That's not the point. He's being groomed to be an Avenger from day one. Yeah, his suit built by Tony. Exactly. I don't want to see a suit built by Tony. I want to see Peter's suit that he built. You remember that scene in Far From Home where Peter Parker makes his own suit so he can be self-actualized as Spider-Man, but he's using Stark tech. He's using the algorithms already set in place by Tony Stark. Yeah. He's building using Stark technology. He's indebted entirely to Iron Man. Spider-Man's not his own character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In the Marvel Universe, Spider-Man is over here. Spider-Man is an outsider. Peter Parker has to do all his own shit on his own. He's broke as a joke, and he has nothing to show for it by the end of every issue. It's, it's the only movie that's captured that is the Sam Raimi movies. I'm sorry. But even in the Marvel comics, when he, you say he's kind of an outsider, he's off to the side, he's still interacting with the other characters. It's doable without having him be Iron Man's protege. Right. It really is. And he's still not getting a movie by himself. Now that Tony Stark is dead, he's just been jumping from mentor to mentor. It just so happens that the mentor in the middle movie was a villain, Mysterio. Mm -hmm. And now we have Doctor Strange shunted into that position. Exactly. Exactly. Go tea, bros. (laughs) It's a Bendis joke. I don't think we're ever going to get that Spider-Man movie again so long as the MCU is in place. I don't know. I'm sure in like 15 years they're going to reboot the entire Marvel Universe and then we will. Jesus Christ, MJ, I'm going to be in my 50s. Yeah, so will I. Let's, uh, let's move to the outro. <laughs> and that's it. That's all the time we have for this week's Casual Wednesdays. All new episodes can be found on any good podcatcher, but if you need more of this dweeby little podcast in your life, you can check out our episode archive via doomrocket.com. 
Rate, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do, or tell us how we're doing with a review on Apple Podcasts. And while you're at it, look us up on Twitter at CashWeds Podcast. I'm at Jared Jones underscore MJ. Where can they find you? At Molly Jane underscore K. So until the day we watch Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone make things weird in a Spider-Man movie, <laughs> I remain Jared. That's MJ over there. And from all of us here at DoomRocket.com, have a great new comic book day. It's because they're broken up. You yes, in I know. Real yeah. Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it would be weird. <laughs>